Hey, dude. How's it going? You don't normally answer the phone like that. It's usually like, oh, cool. Yeah, well, but now I know you're recording me, so. <laughs> well, I guess I'm good. How are you? Are we supposed to? Are we supposed to have intro music for this? You know, that would have been a good thing to figure out before <laughs> before we went live. We'll uh, edit this out later, right? Yeah, yeah, we'll yeah. be fine. But hey, do you want to do a podcast again? Yeah, I mean, I'm down. I guess I, I kind of I've missed actually like talking to people. I guess like you know, I, I got great, really excited there for a second. I thought you were going to say I miss talking to you, and you went people. I was like, ah, no, yeah, it's not. It's not really you specifically. <laughs> it's it's just people in general. I miss being able to broadcast my voice to the masses <laughs> and have conversations. Because honestly, like. When uh, like when people tweet at me and stuff or like when people come up to me in person, it's always I love your podcast. It's almost never I love your writing, which maybe tells me that I'm in the wrong field. But, you know, at least you didn't focus solely on writing for the last year. Yeah, that's true. That that was that was that was good thinking on your part. Uh, We're going to, I guess, do a podcast now. So we're going to do a weekly podcast. Uh, So be happy. Strong intro. Yeah. Anthony and I are going to be. So this this episode is going to be dropping on a uh, we are back with our complete unpreparedness. As usual, we're going to try and be a little bit more prepared now, now that it's a weekly show. This episode is dropping uh, of I think we we decided we're calling it the lake show. Yep. Until we get sued. Okay. Yeah. Um, So this is going to be the lake show and it's going to be Anthony and I and we're reuniting to do a podcast again. It's normally new episodes are going to drop on Tuesday morning. But we are, you know, kind of breaking that a little bit to debut the Silver Screen and Roll podcast feed as a whole before the Lakers first game of the season tonight. By the time you are listening to this against the Portland Trail Blazers, if you're listening to this, send us some send us some audio. We'll see. We'll go through it and we'll find some introduction music, intro music, outro music, all that stuff. I think that sounds like a good idea. But yeah, yeah. Sure. We're going to be talking weekly, and I'm looking forward to it. I've, I'm willing to say this. I have missed having a regular podcast with you. Yeah, I mean, I've I, I've missed that too. I also I also miss getting paid for it. But you know, small steps. You would not be happy with. <laughs> All right, let's let's go ahead and talk about the Lakers now. That's enough talking about us. I hate talking I about so. us. Yeah, I mean, at least we only did it for like five minutes. So the, what we're going to talk about today is basically we now have the offseason. We have training camp. We have the preseason. Everything is behind us. This is going to be dropping the day that the Lakers played their first NBA regular season game. They're going up to Portland. They're going to play the Trailblazers. Uh, so we're going to use everything that we have as context to talk about how we feel about the team. And, you know, I'm inter- I actually don't know how you necessarily feel about this team. So, Harrison, with all of this as context, everything that we are able to know right now, and, and granted, it's not very much. And that's kind of the theme of this offseason that I've seen so far. That's kind of going to be the theme of this podcast, yeah. I think. Um, we don't know very much. I think that's the tagline right there. In general, but about the Lakers, too. Yeah. <laughs> so, so how do you... F- <laughs> How do you feel about how do you feel about this Lakers team? I, I think this Lakers team is going to be really good. I, I think that people are not giving them enough credit necessarily in like I think a lot of because I think that there's a reticence to say that they're going to be really, really good and be wrong. I think a lot of people are kind of 
going under and then they can say like, oh, it was a pleasant surprise, whatever. Like, I don't think that there should be massive expectations for this team. I think it's very clearly not a title contender yet, barring like some type of injuries or incredible luck for them and like bad luck for their competitors. I don't think that they're a title contender, a contending team yet. But I, you know, when I, I know that there, there's like solid math and analysis behind a lot of these projections that are putting them as like sixth or seventh or whatever, but I just don't see how if LeBron tries that they're less than like the fourth seed. Like, I, I think they're going to be the fourth seed in the West at the, at the very least. And like, that's good for a team, for a team that's been in the lottery for the last four or five years. That's really, really good. I don't know how I feel about like predicting seeding in the playoffs because the West is always so insane, right? Like I could say they're going to be fourth and then they'll have one fewer win than maybe I anticipate and they'll drop down to eighth because the West is always so closely jumbled. Basically the way I'm looking at it. It's like how Portland was like a fake three seed last year where they were like, you know, games ahead of the nine seed. Right. So I I basically, the way I kind of look at the West right now is the Warriors are in their own class. And we kind of saw that last night. Like if they try all year, like which we don't know they will. Even if they don't try, I just think they're so freaking good that they can just kind of coast. The West isn't as good as it usually is, in my opinion. I mean, Houston definitely took a step back this summer, which is also part of what gives me confidence in the Lakers. The the Thunder, I don't think, took a step back so much as they were kind of forced to take a step back by injuries. So I think that's going to hurt them early Mm -hmm. on, even though I mean, the Lakers obviously have a tough schedule to start, too. But I think that, you know, I think there's just, you know, you wrote about this. There's been enough upheaval in the West that gives me more. More confidence in the Lakers. The only way that the Lakers don't kind of hit that like four seed potential to me, barring, you know, like some like weirdness, weirdly close records and stuff like that is if they just never get a consistent defensive lineup together. That's my biggest concern with this team right now, because they have some guys with defensive reputations. They have some smart defenders. I think eventually they will get a couple lineups that can play solid defense together. And Luke Walton will have some go tos with that. But I think like that's the one major concern that I have with this team is that they are not going to be able to figure it out defensively because so much of their success last year was from being an above average defensive team. And obviously if you add LeBron, you have a lot more offensive wiggle room to be bad on defense, but like they're really going to need a lot of these guys to lock in and form a cohesive unit really quickly, which is probably the biggest concern. I I actually would go, I agree with the general point there that that like the defense is the biggest concern here because it's going to set a tone for how they want to run and all that. But I I actually think their 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 ceiling this year is going to be decided by how quickly Lonzo Ball, Kyle Kuzma, Josh Hart, Brandon Ingram showed themselves to be better than their veteran counterparts outside of LeBron, and like. That's not even from a standpoint of like Luke has to notice this. They have to they have to make it painfully obvious that they are noticeably better than Rajon Rondo, than Lance Stevenson, than I don't know, oh, KCP. Like Yeah, well I think I think did you mention Ingram there? I feel like Ingram's already shown that. Yeah, I I would I would agree. I I think I I think the other guys are the ones that are in legit positional battles. And well, but like if they never win those positional battles, because we know what Rajon Rondo is, right? Like we know what Lance Stevenson is at this point. Hell, we even know what JaVale McGee is at this point. Michael Beasley, same kind of thing. They are not good enough to get this Lakers team to the, the spot that you're thinking of. 
the kids are going to have to be the ones that get them there. Oh, and, for sure. And and if they and and if they never show that if they never show that objectively that is the case, or if Luke Walton never kind of figures that out, or if LeBron never allows Luke Walton or Magic never really allows Luke Walton to figure that out, that's where I think that that's my biggest concern about this team right now. Um, and and to be clear, I think that they're capable of doing that. I think those kids. I think. All of the guys that we talked about, Kuzma, Hart, Lonzo, are very much capable of, of showing that they are that much better and, and showing it to the point where LeBron trusts that improvement. That yeah, and I think like Lonzo on some level has has especially already shown that. Like I think Hart and yeah. KCP is closer than a lot of Lakers fans probably want to say because Hart's the young guy. He's more important to the future. I buy into all those arguments. I, I think that KCP is still the slightly better player right now. Uh, I just uh, – but Lonzo – He's not even fully healthy. He was on a minutes restriction. He came back in two preseason games and looked like vastly better than Rondo. Like it's not like it wasn't really even particularly close to me when you factor in how good he is on defense, how how like insane he is off the ball at predicting where plays are going to go and cutting off angles and getting steals and Mm -hmm. things like that. He had that one play where he stripped who was it on Golden State in the corner. Uh, It it was one of their new additions. I don't remember. Cook. No, it was, was a picture of Quinn Cook that he was stripping like for one of the pieces. Yeah, that I don't know. He just had it. But regardless of who it was, he just had. Oh, Drebko. Yeah, it was Drebko. That's right. Mm-hmm. He just has these crazy arms and hand speed and just like predictive abilities because he sees the game so well. And then like that allows you to get out on offense faster. He's a guy that's going to outlet the ball and get it going on offense. Rondo does that too. Um, but Lonzo's a guy that can really like, once he starts to get healthier and more confident getting up in the air and getting rebounds and stuff, he's also going to be able to go out there and grab rebounds and go or grab rebounds and toss the ball up court. And I think that that kind of thing fueling a break is going to allow the Lakers to continue to fuel this crazy pace that they want to play at better than Rondo will. I, I actually think I think Rondo's a good signing. I think he's a perfectly capable backup for this team. But I think that Lonzo, to me, like has already clearly shown that he's the better player at this point. And I think it's just going to be a matter of breaking through whatever minutes restriction he's on and whatever, like getting back to full health so that Luke Walton feels comfortable putting him in that role. And then it's also going to be, you know, can he show that he's better enough to the point where LeBron and where Rondo are like, OK, yeah, like this kid needs to start. Yeah, I'll put it to you this way. What do you think the Lakers' best lineup is going to be this year? That's an interesting. I mean, like best lineup that they play consistently, because I think if you're talking best actual lineup, it's got to be like LeBron's got to be at center. I think, Uh, you know, I think like best actual overall lineup. But I don't think they're going to play that consistently. Uh, like, you know, we'll, we'll get into that in a mm-hmm. little bit. But I, I think, like, if we're talking best starting lineup, it's probably McGee, LeBron, Ingram. I think at that point, I, I think if you're playing with all of those guys, it's Hart because of, like, the switchability. And mm-hmm. then it's Lonzo because of the switchability. And I think that gives you peak defensive versatility, pace, all of that stuff. But I think, like, best actual lineup, it's going to be in short minutes. But I think, uh, you know, going off of preseason and just prediction and, and, out, and, you know, way too early analysis, I think it's probably going to be, like, LeBron – I really want to see the death lineup with the kids. Basically, that's yeah. probably what I'm most excited about. Yeah, we we haven't we haven't seen it. Like this is the thing. This is one of the things that I really wanted to talk about today. Was as much as we've heard and bandied and and progno- prognosticated about LeBron at the five, we haven't seen it very much 
in preseason. Not really at all. Which, yeah. And again, I mean, there's no reason for them to really bust that out during the preseason. Uh, they have enough stuff that they're adjusting to that they don't need to like throw extra wear and tear on LeBron for some preseason games. Sure, but I, I would have liked to seen like the reps at it, you know. And 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 look, at, this is the the entire point of the show is basically give a snapshot of what the Lakers are, where the Lakers are at going into this regular season and seeing as we haven't seen LeBron play any minutes at the five. Now he's been the biggest player on the court, but even when he was doing that, Kuzma was matched up against the other team's biggest player. Right. Yeah. And so like, if we're just to use the context that we have in front of us, they don't have another good enough big to make this roster seem to make sense. Right. And so like what I've kind no, of learned, not at all. It's, it's like the fact bad. that they are staking their season fortunes, basically on JaVale McGee being able to play 82 games. That's probably the other and at longer minutes here. than he normally, than he has played in like five years. I, I am still dubious that he's going to play more minutes. They've said all the stuff about, there's no minutes restriction. Like the asthma doesn't mean that he can't play however many minutes, but Luke was also very clear about saying when he, he was asked about it that like JaVale doesn't have minutes restriction, but I know that if we're playing the way we want to play, he's going to get tired. And so like, how much are they willing to push him past like the 20 ish minute range? Mm-hmm. Like, I think even that is probably pushing us for 82 games that you're even going to be able to get the best. But out that of leaves 28 minutes. I know. At the and position. That's, that's tough. <laughs> as, as they that's say on, really... as as they say on binge mode, it's a tough, tough look for our guys at the center spot. <laughs> yeah. It's not going to be great. No, that's, that's going to be hard. Um, you know, I, I'm trying like uh, Kuzma is going to get some of that time. I, I have to imagine that some of it's going to be zoo, even if he's not that great. Like they're just to have another big body that you're able they to throw to. into they rotation. Have, I mean, like Beasley, Beasley has been okay, but he hasn't been able to take advantage of the offensive advantages that come with going small right like he hasn't been able to get around anybody i've actually no, and like part of the part of the reason that you go small is you want to be able to outshoot you don't go small just to go small you go small to try and get an advantage Mm -hmm. and if beasley isn't a good enough shooter to like force the center on the other team away from the rim and he's not able to take advantage of whoever it is as a scorer then what are we even really doing right like you're just you're putting yourself at a disadvantage for no reason right it it, the, the way i would kind of put it is yes he his been better on defense than we would have thought but that's because nobody really anticipated anything from michael beasley on the defensive end right low bar to set there and he the more important aspect of what he would do in those lineups is take advantage on offense and he hasn't done that and so like if that's the case then i would just go with zubats who i think is probably more likely to be a better defender for what the lakers need out of that spot all they need is somebody to just defend the rim get rebounds and get them outlitted and and occasionally rim run but for the yeah. most part like they don't they don't have a second guy beyond Javel who can do that yeah i mean have you seen have you seen the movie like 127 hours <laughs> this is a, this might get kind of dark <laughs> yeah so but, you know, like that that was about a guy that got trapped in the mountains and ended up eventually like spoiler alert. He had to cut his own arm off to escape. <laughs> and so like small ball to me is like you're you're cutting your own arm off to get an advantage. But like playing Michael Beasley right now at small ball, the way that it's been is you're cutting your own arm off. But you're on like a leisurely hike through like an, a completely open trail. Like you're not trapped at all. You're just like you're just doing it just because everyone else is doing it. You saw James Franco doing it in a movie. 
Yeah, I would say I would say it's actually probably closer to cutting one arm off and then asking somebody to take the other one. Like, please, just to take the other one. I, I, it's it's but a flesh wound. Yeah, it's just you're you're just you're you're lopping your own arm off for no reason, <laughs> and so that's. <laughs> well, I feel like that clip. Show. That's the ad for the podcast. <laughs> In which Harrison compares going small with Michael Beasley to chopping your own arm off for no reason. <laughs> We're going to get off of this thing. And, and the people at Vox are going to be like, oh, so that's why Harrison hasn't had a podcast for a year. <laughs> no, man. This is what the people have been missing. I get tweets once a day. They're like, when are you going back on Locked on Lakers? I'm like, when, when are you going to start Beasley? chopping people's arms off? Yeah. When are you going to start making these dark analogies that we've come to know and love? And I, I'm I'm here to tell you today, this is an official release from the desk of Harrison Fagan. I'm back. <laughs> and he has both arms. So that's yeah, that's a positive there. Uh, let's take a look at then the we've already talked about the center thing. And the center thing is going to be a, an ongoing thing. The Lakers are going to need to add somebody. Right. We I've been. Digging as much as I possibly can to find what I can about Tarek Black's out clause in in wherever he's playing. Uh, I've <laughs> I've been kind of on the trade machine trying to figure out what it would take to to lure Willie Cauley Stein away from the Sacramento Kings, the Lakers, or even Costa Kufas for that matter. Like the the Lakers for the Lakers. It's are so going, sad. Have you looked at like the available center free agents? Al Jefferson is like at the top of the list. It's and I'm just so like, depressing. Oh, there's like a man. there's like a 97 year old Emeka Okafor. <laughs> it's gotten to the point like he was released by who was he released by? Was it Philly? It was the Sixers. I think. Yeah, he was released by Philly, and I was like, shit, give him a ten day. Let's see yeah, what I mean, you know, can Andre Ingram play center? Like, <laughs> can Andre? Ingram- <laughs> You could put Andre Ingram how, on top of Brandon Ingram. NBA shot, Anthony. That's what I'm. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I mean, he would take advantage on the other end. I think. Yeah. No. I mean, it, I, playing Andre Ingram at center might be a better option than playing Michael Beasley at center. Well, at least then you get the shooting. Pete has been on the record to say that Josh Hart should get small ball five minutes. Yeah, I, I heard Pete say that, and actually, like in a weird way, it makes sense because Josh Hart is like super. He's way better at the big man defensive tasks than mm-hmm. he is at the guard ones. Yeah, I'm fine with it. It's better than playing Zubots. That would be so weird. Can you imagine? <laughs> Josh Hart is there like six foot four Draymond Green. I legit just said that to try to trigger you. I just wanted to see where you would go there. I'm fine. I mean, like, I know that, like. Have you come to grips like, with the reality here? Well, yeah. Yeah. It's okay. Uh, we should probably mention Mo Wagner. And here's why. Here, should it, we? <laughs> well. <laughs> This is this is why I think we should mention him. For one thing, he's very much Magic's guy, right? Like we saw that on backstage Lakers. That was somebody that Magic was really pushing, and and based on stuff that that happened in the show, and then stuff that you kind of just kind of hear, he was really pushing and overrode a couple people to get Mo Wagner. And it, maybe it's just a matter of, and and that would tell me that when he comes back, he has the inside track to minutes. And that would that would explain why the Lakers haven't gone out and gotten another big, because if that big shows up and and plays better than even we anticipate Mo Wagner might, well then there goes Mo Wagner's chance at at kind of at the 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 track at the, the cracking the rotation, the way that I think Magic thinks that he can. My question yeah, to you like, is: I mean, I 
he's Magic's guy, sure, but he's also a rookie that has been out for months That's and was exactly only was just cleared to like play kind of a, a sort of controlled contact, like three on three scrimmaging. Like if you're expecting that guy to come back and save your center spot season and he's coming back and he's your break glass in case of emergency option for JaVale McGee, if he can't play 82 games, like even then that's not really a good place to be. And I know even like internally, I, I know there was like, there's concern about his ability to switch and play defense and stuff like that. And like, Yes, he can shoot for sure, but are you just going to if you're just getting lit up on the other end, then that's going to be tough. I mean, he played better than expected defense in summer league, but what does that really mean? <laughs> he outplayed Zoo. I mean, okay, congratulations. <laughs> so so his like 90% of the league during the preseason. You know who also I mean, outplayed Zoo Zoo, Zoo had Zoo had like one or two decent stretches. I, I think it became fashionable to crap on him. I, there were two games where he was playing okay, and people were just still going to town on him. It's really like I fun. don't think that he. I don't think that he's a great option, and I don't think that he's going to be Luke's preferred option. But like you know, it, he's a big body, and he can do some things. I I also. Like, all right, so you and I, we don't need to get into the Julius Randle thing now because we'll wind up not having a podcast moving forward. But how much better would you feel about this roster if Thomas Bryant was on it and Zubats wasn't? Honestly, not that much better because it's not like Thomas. I mean, I I still think that Thomas Bryant was probably the better prospect going forward, but he hasn't exactly set the world on fire during the preseason either. And, you know, the Lakers, if the Lakers, like if, if whatever they were seeing internally, they were just like, like, I think that they've shown an incredible talent for evaluating who fits into their culture, who fits into their style of play, like among their young players, at least. And they've been willing to cut bait on the guys that don't really fit. And it's, it's not always based on stuff that we're always seeing on the court. Like, you know, they moved on from Russell. I think probably when we ended up thinking that that was like kind of not allowed to talk about D'Angelo Russell. It was, yeah, that's the one rule for this podcast. Mm -hmm. So you're not allowed to talk, but I am. They ended up selling like, I think they got more for him than his value would be now if the Nets tried to flip him. And I think like they moved on from Clarkson at exactly the right time. They were able to get so they were able to free up cap space to sign LeBron by moving on. For, and they moved on from Nance, who was like a nice player, but they were they were willing to understand, OK, this is an OK player, but we have to cut bait on him. If Zoo was showing something internally that, you know, in their practices during the offseason where he was looking really good and Bryant really wasn't, then I kind of I think this front office and scouting department and coaching staff deserve some leeway on decisions, even if we don't think that we necessarily think that they make sense from the outside, because they've shown such a good job, even when, you know, like you freaked out about the Russell thing, obviously, initially, and I know you still think it was bad process, but like they they did the right thing objectively and ended up working out. And so I think that there have been a lot of these cases where they evaluate a guy based on their kind of own internal information and people agree, disagree with the decision initially, but it ends up working out. And like, they've done it a couple times with the draft too, when they've drafted some of these guys that, you know, draft Twitter was not as high on and ended up working out. So I, I think they deserve, uh, so no, I would not be more confident if Thomas Bryant was on the team because I have some level of trust in this front office to make and coaching staff to make the right decisions in regards to these players. That was a good spiel, but I would still feel more confident with with Thomas Bryant on the team than. Well, that's than because you never change your opinion, especially the ones that can't objectively be proven wrong. Well, I, I just think I mean, I, <laughs> like I you can you can feel how you feel about like the the front office and all that stuff, but like if Magic Johnson is out there 
overriding the 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 draft team, the 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 scouting department. That makes That's me a little different nervous. To me. That's that makes it a little. That makes me a little nervous. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we'll see. Like that. That's one. That's one piece of information. But we have a lot of decisions that have worked out, and you know, Mo could end up being very good. We don't really. We don't really know for sure. We don't have nearly enough information to know that. And I think that, that kind of takes us full circle back to. I don't know that we need to talk about Mo Wagner because I don't know that Mo Wagner is going to be able to contribute right off the bat on any meaningful level. Yeah, I wouldn't anticipate anything from Mo Wagner for the, at least the first month of the season. Yeah, I know that they, they said they were going to reevaluate him after preseason. I know he's doing like some three-on-three stuff, but it doesn't sound like he's playing tomorrow or tonight by this World's point. World's worst bruise. Like the worst yeah. bruise. Well, in the you know, I, I think Doctor uh, Doctor Brar had like a great breakdown of this on so on Silver Screen Roll. I can shamelessly plug all the content I want now because this is a Silver Screen Roll yeah. podcast officially <laughs> now. So he he had a great breakdown of you know bone bruise doesn't sound that bad, but if you actually look at what is probably wrong with Wagner, it makes sense that it's taken this amount of time. Yeah. Uh, do you want to before we move on to your? We're bringing back Harrison's hot take. I know you guys are really excited about that, but. We uh, before we get to that, do you want to talk about the the speculation and the rumor swirling about uh, uh, who was it, Kawhi Leonard and Jimmy Butler maybe not wanting to play with LeBron, LeBron wanting to play with Damian Lillard? Do you want to touch on that stuff? I think you we touched on it. I mean, we got time. This is a longer. Yeah, we, we kind of sort of have to now that I kind of teased it. Now that you brought, you can't just bring that up and then not address it. <laughs> it's just like no, I don't want to talk about. It. All right, we will so, talk. Yeah, about here's it. all the rumors that you guys tuned in for. Just kidding, we aren't going to talk about that. <laughs> um, so I think. The Leonard and the Leonard and Butler thing is not that new. Like we kind of we kind of knew this stuff. It had leaked out separately from enough people. There was at least informed speculation, if not necessarily reporting, that those two guys were not necessarily super enamored with playing with LeBron. For Kawhi, this is going back to like July. And then for Jimmy Butler, this is going back more recently. I think here's I was thinking about this a lot. As look, I wrote the thing for Silver Screen and Roll, and I didn't really include this tidbit in it. But I think that's the kind of thing that you can feel like you can think that, or your your camp might feel a certain way when you're not on the team with with LeBron. But then when you get on the team with LeBron, you kind of like, oh yeah, that's right, he's the best player ever. <laughs> and then and then he kind of rethinks some stuff. That has made me kind of that's kind of led me to a spot where, look, I'm not I don't I think. I wouldn't give up anything beyond like a con, a con, you know, a couple conditional second rounders and like Zubots and the draft filler needed to make the trade work for for Butler. But if that's like if that's all he's available for, and and Minnesota just becomes that desperate that you just say like no, we just we can't have this anymore, and no team is willing to because of the way that he's kind of trashed his reputation throughout this in, entire process. Like I would take that chance if I were the Lakers. You get the guy in house, and I think if there's a way to convince somebody who wants to be in a bigger market anyway, who wants to win, if the only concern is he doesn't, he's not sure about how he feels about playing with LeBron, then I think I think you can convince him over the next. But can you convince him to not hate all people younger than him? Because yeah. you know that might be an issue with how young the Lakers well, roster is. Here's and, the thing, too, though. You know, you could say maybe those guys get flipped for someone else. You know, a Lillard or an Anthony Davis or whatever. But that's still an issue in the short term. The uh, here's the, the the funny thing about Butler is that I would trade for him only to be a rental. Like the New England Patriots do this all the time in football, where they where they because in football your prime ends. 
a day before you actually think it's going to, right? So they just they get guys, they trade for them, and they they know what production they're going to get from them, and then their contract comes up, and the Patriots just go, okay, you can go sign somewhere else. If I were the Lakers, and all it took was the the, the pet trade package that I I mentioned there, I. I it's going to take I more than that, though. It I, would, I think it Minnesota's would. very Minnesota's very dug in here. It, they they can be, but like Glenn Taylor is the is going to be the final word on this stuff. And if he just says Tibbs, it, we can't keep doing this. For it sounded an like he year. was part of the issues in the call with the Heat. So like, well, yeah, because he started to <laughs> ask for an you know, extra pick. Like, out of you know there. what I'm saying? Like, so I don't I don't think that Glenn, Glenn Taylor is necessarily even desperate to dump him for nothing. Now, maybe that changes if he goes into the season and every day we're hearing about Jimmy Butler. Like, like, you know, here's how he emasculated cat today. I can't you know, wait to watch eventually that is just a bad thing for your franchise. And you have to cut bait on someone like that. Yeah. Maybe. But I just think I also think I don't know if that's a headache that the Lakers necessarily need for the rest of the year. Like, how much does that hurt the value of their young core if Jimmy Butler is out there in media scrums every day saying like, oh, Lonzo doesn't try hard enough on defense or, oh, Kuz, like he thinks he's Kobe, but he's not. And today I like he tried to I I guarded him and I told him that he was soft and then he still couldn't score. Um, So, like, you know, like I, I think like the Lakers young guys, I actually agree with Pete. He made this point on Twitter that they would not they would respond a lot differently. I think if Jimmy Butler was in there and he was questioning their heart and effort, than the Timberwolves reportedly did. But you know, like I I just think, I don't know if that's really a headache. I also don't don't think he does that with LeBron in the house. Maybe he's kind of shown that he's a little crazy. So yeah, but like LeBron, look, LeBron has his own media like branch himself. Right. It would leak immediately that Jimmy Butler was not playing, not being a, a good soldier. And if LeBron's people are out there, like you go from like right now, who's the, the people who are reporting on the story is that uh, John Kwasinski or whatever his name is for for the athletic. Not to say not to it's like I, th- this sounds really condescending, but you compare like his voice to like. Brian Windhorst, Dave McMenamin, like if those guys go out there and 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 via LeBron's leaks are are going out there and saying, okay, yeah, this guy's a legitimate problem for any team that he's going to be on. I think he calms down a little bit. Like, I yeah, think, maybe. I I think he just maybe. I I just it's a little bit I, more daunting than than you know John whatever his name is. The Lakers. The Lakers have a very specific type of guy that they like to bring in though. Yeah. And I just, I don't know that Jimmy, but now maybe Jimmy Butler's good enough that you break with that. But if you, especially if it's just a rental, I don't really see why you deal with the headache. Yeah. I, I would, I would do it for the rental. And, and if it's, and if there's a headache, then you can always just turn around and, and get a whatever form. The matter. Uh, deadline. Let's, yeah. let's talk, let's talk about the, well, yeah, the, the trade would have to happen sooner rather than later. I wouldn't do it at the trade deadline. Cause there's just, then you don't have any flexibility, but uh, let's talk about the Damian Lillard thing because that is, that, that was everybody's concern when the Lakers were it, the, everybody who really wanted to see this young core grow were concerned that with LeBron showing up, you would start to get these rumors and the speculation and, and, and the smoke of, well, he would actually kind of rather play with Damian Lillard right now. Here's a hot take. I don't think anybody should be surprised by this. <laughs> like, no, I don't think so at all. But, like, <laughs> hey, it's, you know, 
the Lakers can go to LeBron and they could say that's nice, but Damian Lillard has two years left on his deal after this that are very, very expensive and yeah. hard to make a trade match for. And the Blazers have to be a willing party in this. And Lillard has not demanded a trade. There were like there were whispers like this summer, like I think I think Ramona Shelburne reported them on the radio that like Lillard kind of was maybe interested in the Lakers on some level or something like that. And, you know, everybody freaked out. And then this is just kind of almost like I see this as a continuation of that. But, you know, until Damian Lillard wants to come out and start publicly demanding a trade, then I don't really see this happening, especially not like that franchise has so many other concerns right now yeah. with the the death of the owner. I just like there's so many between like the length of the contract left and who's going to be owning the team and how much power do we have to make deals right now and figure out like what these prospective owners want and things like that. I just don't really see any way that the, and, and the difficulty in salary matching. I don't really see any way that that happens anytime soon well it's it's actually not that difficult i think he's making like 23 million and you can and you know he's making uh he's making 20 almost 28 million this year i was on the trade machine the other day i'm looking at basketball insiders he's making almost 28 million that's insane yeah then no you can't you can't make that work without giving up multiple high first rounders and i don't think the lakers would do that so yeah, I know. And you don't, I mean, I have a, I have a, like a genuine hot take as opposed to the one that I'm going to give in a few minutes, but like, not that that's not genuine, I guess, like I'll play the character, <laughs> but, um, I, I honestly feel like I'm probably going to get roasted for this again, but I, I feel like Lonzo is a better, is going to be like the better fit next to LeBron long-term than Lillard would be anyway. Yep. 28 million. I just, I guess I'm dyslexic, but, uh, yeah, I, I agree. I agree. I think Lillard Lillard shot does things that 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 would be nice to have next to It's like to 99 cent store Steph Curry. Whoa. <laughs> he is. I mean that as a compliment. Like he's not he's not Steph, but like he does he bends defenses You mean some it of the as a compliment. Thing. Like 99 cent store means like he's worth if Steph is worth Steph, he's like at most worth a buck. Well, so like most products at the 99 cent store are worth like, I don't know, like eight bucks elsewhere. So Steph's like, you know, like an $8 Damian Lillard. (laughs) So far today, you have managed to cut Michael Beasley's hands off. I did not say that. I said the Lakers (laughs) were cutting their arm off. And now now you pissed off all of Portland. Welcome Uh, back, dude. I had to fake my own death last time. Um <laughs> yeah. So, uh, no, I mean, Lillard's a really good player. I'm not saying that Lillard, Lillard's not a good player. I, I just mean, like, I, what I meant by that was that he stretches and challenges defenses in some of the ways that Steph Curry does without being quite that good. Yeah. Well, and, and he also doesn't work hard as hard on defense as, as Steph does. And that's a legitimate skill, like being able to, to work hard on both sides of the ball. I I would, I would agree. Just affects so many different areas of the game already without even being able to shoot. And we've all said this all summer, but it bears repeating again and again, because like, he's just so good at so many little things that I, I just, I can't see him being less than like a top 15 player at some point. Yeah. Well, look, I, I think I think the general point here, unless you can get Butler for the aforementioned a couple second rounders, Zubots and like KCP to make the, the contracts work. Right. Uh, or and I think you'd also have to throw in Lance, which. Awesome. 
uh, unless like that kind of deal comes along, and I don't think it's going to. I, I I'm pretty confident in saying that it won't come along in that in that iteration. I think this year the Lakers, and they've been pretty clear about this. It's it's a year long kind of tryout to see who's going to fit into this LeBron era of Lakers basketball. Yeah, and and I don't think. You know, I don't. You can't do that <laughs> by then flipping Lonzo Ball and Damian Lillard, or Lonzo Ball and probably Ingram because of the contracts there, and KCP and whatever for and that's Damian Lillard. Too much. That's just too much to give up. Even yeah. though Lillard has two years left on his deal, you can try and sign. I think it's a better idea to try and sign someone this summer, and then if you're going to trade those guys, trade them for Anthony Davis. Yeah, when he's probably demanding a trade in like a year. Yeah. Well, we'll we'll see if he's actually demanding a trade. That, that seems, very much seems to be on the heart. Like it's, it feels like all signs are pointing that way. Just well, like media signs. I it could it, those media signs can be coming from other places other than Anthony Davis's camp, right? It's like fair. it it could be coming from people who want to play with Davis and teams that want to be able to acquire Davis. So, we'll, I I think it's way too early to talk about Davis in this point. All right, let's uh let's wrap this thing up. You have a hot take to give. We have a game to preview. So uh, let's let's fire off the Harrison's hot take music, and uh, and do your thing. All right, Anthony. We all know that LeBron likes to be he likes the whole world looking at him, and this center void is just another example. LeBron just wants to be he doesn't want to play center, but he wants to be the center of attention. Oh. I, I'm sorry, Lakers fans. Did you think that you were getting LeBron to come out here and fit in? No, this guy fits out. We all know that he literally built this team himself. He signed all of these guys. It was GM, Daddy LeBron, the whole way. That's what the media has been telling us all summer. No one else helped. It was all LeBron. He went into a a room, and he's like, I want Lance and Rondo and JaVale, and Mm -hmm. I'm just picking the most hilarious supporting cast of players that I could possibly pick as a prank, and then they actually went out and signed them. But no, he signed all of these players to make this roster so reliant on JaVale McGee that he can take a shortcut to Lakers fans love. There's some people out there who are like, oh, no, the Lakers would never just make him a fan favorite immediately. Let's go deface some murals and make him earn the respect of the Lakers fan base. But did you really think LeBron was going to come here and stand for that type of thing? This is a man who literally tattooed chosen one on his back in high school. He isn't going to earn your love. He left a giant hole at center so that you'd be begging for his all year when Avica's Zubats is stumbling around all over the court and JaVale McGee is out here missing dunks on his own team's basket. Everyone is going to be begging. Oh, please, LeBron, play center for us. Can't please King do it. And then everyone is in such a question, rush. Question, question, question. Yeah. Who are you thinking of when you do that voice? Um, I'll tell you that off air. Everyone <laughs> is in such a Everyone is in such a rush to anoint LeBron the GOAT, Anthony, and it's just because he's the best player ever and not because of his ring count or Mamba mentality. But I'll tell you what he's really the GOAT of. You want to hear what he's really the GOAT of? I can't wait. He's the scapegoat. He's the greatest (laughs) of all time at blaming his teammates when things go wrong. Remember the face he made last year when J.R. Smith forgot the score, time of game, and for the first time ever forgot to shoot? Instead of being like a good teammate and understanding that his teammate had just like literally fallen asleep during the NBA Finals, (laughs) LeBron just held his hands out and stared at him. It was like, hey, look at this guy. It's his fault. Oh, my God. What an idiot. Can I can I can I? interject for a second sure. i think he was telling him the direction that he needed a dribble 
No, I think he was saying he was literally pointing the cameras. He's like, "Is this your king? <laughs> this soup throwing buffoon?" Uh, and then anytime he gets asked about this, like this, this is how it's going to go all year, Anthony. The reporters are going to come up. They're going to be like, "So LeBron, you didn't play center again for like the thirtieth straight game." Lakers fans really want to know, like, "Are you going to play center?" This team seems to have some effective lineups, and he's just going to go and he's going to do that hands out gesture right at Zubox's <laughs> locker, and he's going to be like, "You need me. You need. You can't win without me." You need me to play center. Just paraphrase Jimmy Butler all over the place. So, yeah, the Lakers are going to see LeBron at center this year. It's just going to be the look at me and how great I am with no help variety instead of the position. Fagan out. All I heard was facts. Yeah, I'm just saying, like, you know. <laughs> it's, a- it's been quite the debut episode. For, for, I, I'm imagining people who have never listened to either of us before <laughs> listening to this. And if you somehow made it all the way through, I appreciate you. You are exactly the correct audience for this podcast. As long as your sponsors, like, that's... No, no like, I mean, like, I, I think we can get into this. Like, we're going to try and have some fun. Like, this yeah. is this is basketball. We all watch this. We all got into it because we enjoy basketball. And, like, basketball should be enjoyable. And there's going to be drama this year. There's going to be times where we have to give serious analysis and we have to break down serious topics and talk about trades. And we're going to try and give our genuine basketball takes. We aren't just going to, like, this is not a parody podcast. But we're also, like, we don't take ourselves too seriously. And we're going to try and have some fun with this. And this is going to be the first good Lakers team that either of us have ever covered. And like well, that that's, be that's kind of the point that I wanted to make. Is that like, yeah. what's the point of covering a good team if we can't have fun covering said good team? Like, I had a lot of fun covering the bad teams, but that's because humor comes from a dark place. I'm really looking forward to covering a good team because, like, the humor can poke fun at the bad teams over there. Like, I yeah, can I laugh at like the Clippers. The, the, the Anthony doesn't get enough shine for this, but, like, now that the Lakers are going to be good again, like – Get get ready, like Samus Fondiari and Andy Lou. Like Anthony is the neutral god now. Like he's gonna come in and just trash every single other. Like Anthony was a Lakers exceptionalist when the Lakers were terrible. Yeah. Like just now that they're imagine now that they're good, you're gonna be insufferable. Did you see? Did you see the Warriors' rings are hollow? It makes sense. I mean, it's fitting. Yeah. I would say it's fitting. That's hollow actually, success that was like calls for a hollow ring. Unintentional admission of all time. <laughs> it's like here's where the meaning of our of our championship would have gone had we not. You this know, this is the cap space we'll have when Kevin Durant goes to New York next year. <laughs> <laughs> all right, uh, we, let's let's end on a, a couple thoughts about the Portland Trailblazers game. I don't think I don't have a good feeling about this one. The Lakers have historically not really played very well in Portland. That place is going to be a madhouse LeBron, because LeBron has never won his first game with a new team either. That's, this is uh, this is three straight debuts, uh, three straight debuts in the past. That so you're he saying he's due. Yeah, I get. I mean, no, I'm, what, I, my only prediction for this game is that I am not going to trash talk Damian Lillard like midway through the third quarter again and just like start heat checking my trolling and then get like ratioed to hell again. I I'm hope just not going to do that. I'm going to keep those internal to slack this you, game. Do, is that tweet still up? Yeah, I think so. I don't think I ever deleted it. Please never delete it. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think the I think the Lakers lose, but I think it's going to be close. I think it's the kind of game that like you don't really take much from. And 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 look, if the Lakers win, then that's a great start to the season. And I don't have to deal with all the trolls on st- on on Twitter telling me that LeBron doesn't have any help. 
Yeah. And, you know, if the Lakers lose, then somebody's going to start a rumor about that Luke Walton's on the hot seat. So it's a uh, get ready for a fun year. It's going to be great. I'm you know, I'm glad that I don't have to have these like on air reactions daily anymore because that's going to be wow, exhausting. Nice and I wish you luck. <laughs> All right. That'll do if it for doing that at some other podcast that I'm not going to give free airtime to. <laughs> that'll do it for the Lake Show podcast here for Silver Screen and Roll and Vox. I want to thank those guys for the opportunity. I'm really looking forward to the season. And again, uh, just keep your eye on this feed and on Twitter and on the site and stuff yeah. like that, because we are going to be announcing some other hosts for other days soon. This is eventually the goal is to have this at five days a week. And right now we have not one us we specifically have, just not to be us, clear. but it's going to be different hosts on different days with different show names under the same feed. So you're yeah. going to get Anthony and I on Tuesdays, and then you're going to get some hosts to be announced soon on some other days of the week. And I think we have about two other days lined up and then we're still working on the other two, but this is eventually going to be a five day a week feed but the lake show anthony and i's pairing will be tuesday mornings uh, from now on after this thursday yeah all right that'll do it then have a great rest of your day enjoy the game tonight and uh and yeah we'll talk to you guys next week bye harrison it was nice to talk to you again that's weird <laughs>